Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this Made in America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say Made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. As I was walking across the grounds of the 2022 Grand American in Orangeburg, South Carolina, hungry as a stray dog, my nose detected the unmistakable aroma of hog meat being prepared on a hickory slow burn fire. Putting my nose in the air and following the scent into the wind, I found myself looking at a white food truck complete with blackened oil drum smokers, a line of hungry coon hunters, and tables full of people devouring lip-smacking food. I'd found it, the holy grail of the South, barbecue. As I got closer to the truck, I could read the lettering on the side and it read, Hunting for a Cure, Drake's Hope. Adjacent to the ordering window was a write-up about the purpose of this traveling mecca of delicacy. It told the brief story of Drake Bryant, a 15-year-old boy who was inflicted with severe autism. On this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, you will meet Curtis Bryant, the father of Drake Bryant. You will hear Drake's story and the struggles and hardships of finding treatment and comfort for this South Carolina family. You will hear how the coon hunting community has rallied around the Bryant family. This is an inspiring story that sets an example for all of us. It is a story worth telling and showcases the true fiber of the hound hunting community and what we can accomplish for the greater good. Make no mistake about it, I was drawn to that food truck because I was hungry. What I found was a story of a hound hunting family that rolls up their sleeves and faces adversity 
one barbecue sandwich at a time. What you will hear from Curtis is a story of love and admiration for a coon hunting community that has adopted their cause. This is Drake Bryant's story. This is Drake's hope, hunting for a cure. Do over, do over. Okay, I'm just gonna dive right into it. I, we're we're honored to have Mr. Curtis Bryant here with us today uh, at the Grand American, sitting down with me to record this episode of this podcast. And uh, uh, today, about noon, I got hungry and I started cruising around looking for something to eat. And I came across your food truck, and it caught my eye because it says "Hunting for a Cure." On Absolutely. Side. So, uh, Curtis. We ate lunch with you. I got your story. It was intriguing. And um, it's an opportunity for houndsmen that are attending events like this to support a good cause. And tell us what tell us what uh, Drake's Hope is and what Hunting for a Cause is all okay. about. Well, Drake's Hope is something we started in 2007. Um, my son, who was born in 2006, at the age of 18 months, started developing um, a seizure disorder. Mm-hmm. We uh, started out with the local physicians um, around Darlington, Florence area. Um, really, with no luck, no answers. Um, really stumped. Uh, we then traveled to Columbia, and then ended up in Charleston at MUSC Children's Hospital. This is all in South Carolina. All of this yeah. is in South Carolina, correct? Um, we uh, talked to several uh, neurologists, pediatric. Um, epileptologist um, they they were great with us trying medicine regimens um, no medicine seemed to help mm-hmm. uh, then they mentioned something when he was around three called a vagal nerve stimulator um, best way to explain it it's kind of like a pacemaker they put it implanted in his chest and the wires instead of going to his heart run up into his uh, brain stem mm-hmm and what that did, anytime his brain electrical output got out of whack, it would give him a little shock. Um, we were we had very high hopes for this. Um, yeah. Had great um, stories about it, and it it, it didn't even seem to phase him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was still having anywhere from twenty, thirty, maybe even forty seizures a day. A day. A day. Um, he had what was called uh, atonic head drop seizures. Uh, he would just, his whole body would lock up mm-hmm. and he would lose all control and just fall. Um, didn't matter where he was at, what he was doing. Once he had one, it was immediate. Uh, we had to have rescue medicine. He had to wear a helmet. Uh, we had to go through my entire house and what we now laugh and call it drape proofing. Right. Um, had to make sure everything was safe for him. Mm-hmm. Well, the vagal nerve stimulator didn't really do anything, so I asked his main neurologist in Charleston to refer us to somewhere else. Well, they referred us to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Uh, so we traveled to Johns Hopkins, and uh, they looked over his record for two three days and uh, said it looks like MUSC is taking great care of him. Thank you. Bye. Really? And we were like, well, okay, that wasn't really the answer we were looking for, but we'll take it for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we traveled to several other hospitals, including the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, I then began doing some serious research on top neurologists, epileptologists in the world, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one and number two came up. Number one was in Miami Children's Hospital. Number two was in the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. Um, the doctor in, and, and I apologize, I forget his name. I've seen so many. Uh, the one in Miami worked half a year in Europe and half a year in Miami. The one in Minnesota worked year round. Right. So we loaded up my family and we drove to Minnesota for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go inpatient immediately at the Mayo Clinic. Uh, they run every test under the sun. Um, they're trying everything, injecting him with dyes to see where the dyes go into his brain, how they're exiting, everything. Well, they start talking about a surgery 
called a corpus callosotomy. Um, your corpus callosum is what connects the two hemispheres of your brain. Mm-hmm. It sends information back and forth between your right side, left side. And they uh, said, you know, we have great luck with uncontrollable seizures with this procedure. And what we do is go in, separate the two hemispheres, and cut your corpus callosum half or two-thirds of the way. Mm -hmm. That way it's still sharing some information, but not everything. And what that does is keep the seizure activity from traveling from one side to the other. Um, well, we, now my ex-wife and I, we, uh, we still have a relationship and, uh, we were talking it over Mm -hmm. and, uh, I decided one day that I said, you know what, I'm just going to have it done. Mm -hmm. I called, um, a neurosurgeon in Charleston, got an appointment and he said, yeah, I can do that. And I agree that would be a, a good solid decision to make. Mm-hmm. So we traveled one morning to Charleston, got a hotel room, uh, enjoyed the day outside. And the next morning we were at MUSC going into surgery. Um, surgery lasted about six hours. What they did is they cut a little window, so to speak, in the top of his skull. Um, they removed the membrane around the brain, um, separated the two hemispheres and laser cut the corpus callosum. Uh, sewed him up, everything. I, they finally wheeled him out. I'm laying in bed with him in um, ICU, and he wakes up. He's smiling. He's uh, hungry, so I'm sitting there feeding him by hand. And about two hours later, he had a seizure. Mm. Uh, just broke my heart. Yeah. And uh, his surgeon come in and said, well, you know, that, that could be residual. Um, give it a few days. Uh, it did help. He went from having 20 to 30 seizures a day, maybe to 10. Uh, but still 10 seizures. That's a, day. a lot. Yeah. And, and you, you don't know when they're coming. He, he didn't have any precursors. Some people that have seizures have what they call an aura. They, mm-hmm. they feel it coming on. Yeah. I've seen that before. He, he, he didn't have that mm-hmm. and, and it just came out of nowhere and he would he could be doing anything. anything. He could be riding a bike. He could be or, walking or, down the steps. Yeah, walk, and it could just hit him and bang. Bang. He's in full he, seizure. He's in full seizure. He's fully <clears throat> locked out. Um, mm-hmm. He's actually had a seizure in his sleep and aspirated and had double pneumonia and was in ICU for two weeks because of a seizure. Yeah. And uh, he uh, was still having seizures. They were still trying to regulate his meds, so... I said, well, you know, it's been six months. Let's go to Miami. So we loaded up, went to Miami five times in a year. And from Darlington to Miami, that's about a 16-hour ride. And uh, we rode down, uh, myself, my son, and uh, his caretaker, who who helps me tremendously with him, with him and his brother. We rode to Miami, and uh, the doctor down there said, you know, we probably need to go ahead and completely sever his brain. In the two hemispheres. And he told me all the side effects. One of them, the major one being a ghost arm syndrome. Where one side of his brain would go dominant. And he would not be able to control the other side. Mm -hmm. And there's been reports of people that's had this procedure done. That with their non-dominant side. They would wake up in the middle of the night and be choking themselves. Or... He could be walking down the road and just reach out and slap somebody and have yeah. absolutely no control over it. Right. Don't, don't even know he's doing it. Mm. And, of course, that was a major concern. And after um, a lot of counseling, a lot of prayer, a lot of being on my knees a lot mm-hmm. and really, really praying about it, I decided, you know what, if it's going to help him, let's do it. Uh, we were scheduling the surgery to be done in Miami. And uh, we got a call from MUSC saying they had just hired a brand new neurosurgeon. His specialty was corpus callosotomies. He was coming from the Cleveland Clinic. And uh, I'm very familiar with that location. <laughs> I feel sure you are. He was coming from the Cleveland Clinic, <clears throat> and uh, he was going to be semi-retired, 
but his daughter was in her residency to be a neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was going to walk his daughter through his Drake's surgery. Um, met with him several times, and uh, the day of the surgery, the night before, I spoke with my mom and dad, who I'm still very close to. Well, my dad my mom unfortunately passed away this past September. Um, Drake was her world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talked with them that night, did a lot of praying before I went to bed, and I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning and just had the the greatest feeling ever. I got up and said, this is going to be a great day. This is going to work. Everything's going to go smoothly. <clears throat> Went in. I walked in with my head held high, toting him, laid him on the bed. I even went back to the OR with him until they put him to sleep, um, kissed him on the forehead, and walked out. Yeah. Uh, six and a half hours later, the doctors called me in a conference room and said, surgery went great. He was a champ. Did everything. Everything went perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, he, since that day, and that was in 2009, no, I'm sorry, that was 2011, he's been seizure-free. Since 2011? He has not had a visible seizure. <clears throat> um, he never developed the ghost arm syndrome. Uh he likes knocking on the window of that food truck. He loves it. He <laughs> loves it, and he loves waving, and he loves smiling. Yeah. Um. Since then, he's been diagnosed with severe autism. Uh, he is nonverbal. He's very mobile, a little mm. too mobile sometimes. <laughs> right. Um, is he an escape artist? He is. He can yeah. get out of anything. My house, I have dead bolts and chain locks and gates and everything, and mm-hmm. he'll find a way through all of them. Right. And he'll just end up busting into my bedroom door in the mornings and just grinning from ear to ear, ready for breakfast. Right. And uh, he's able to feed himself, um, not able to dress himself yet, but we, we're, he gets intense therapy every week for that. Yeah, so what is he, 14 now? He's 15. 15. And he'll be 16 in February. Okay. He, he has the brain function or the brain mentality of about a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. Um, not potty trained, nonverbal. Um, you know, we, I get help through the state with like incontinent supplies, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's one of the happiest kids uh, he loves his brother. He's got a younger brother who's 13, kind of takes the role of the big brother. Right. Um, loves his brother. If his brother's not paying him attention, he's going to. Right. He's going to go grab him, and they're going to wrestle on the floor, or, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to do something, even if it's just sitting there watching TV and, and eating goldfish together. Right. They're, they're going to do something together. Um, you know, we've been doing this event in, in Orangeburg here for – Eight or nine years now. I want to get into that. Okay. I want to talk about this this lifestyle that we lead as houndsmen is so much bigger than um, it's so much bigger than just turning a hound loose. You know, just it goes beyond our love for hunting and things like that. And that's what I knew there was a story to to be told here about Drake and and your family and what you're right. doing with your truck and and different stuff like that. So tell us what. Um, hunting for a cure, Drake's Hope, what that's all about. What it's all about is over the years, there's been extensive medical bills. There's been extensive travel um, bills. Um, A single dad on a cop salary, a lot of things I just can't afford. That's what I was going to go into. You're a a professional law enforcement officer. You've been in, in law enforcement for 21 years. Uh, being retired law enforcement myself, yes, we normally have pretty good insurance, but insurance only goes so far Correct. to cover expenses, and then it's got to come out of that law enforcement salary, which is oftentimes not there extravagant <laughs> by any means. Not at all. You know, and, and with your situation, it's not like you can um, have the opportunity and the freedom to go out and you know, pick when I was in law enforcement, you know, I picked up part-time jobs. I worked overtime shifts. You know, I did what I had to do. My wife was a stay-at-home mom. We had three kids. And if we would have had, when we did, just have small medical emergencies, I mean, it cramped the family budget. Absolutely. And, and so that's why I wanted to talk to you and find out 
you know, what's going on. You've been doing this for eight years. Yep. Tell the tell the people what, what you got set up here at the Grand American. Well, we uh, first couple of years we did it, we would rent a food trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, love him to death. He loves to cook. He loves to cook barbecue. So he said, you know what? He said, I got some connections. I, I, I'm a coon hunter. I'm going to reach out to my, my buddies. Yeah. Um, our local chapter, um, Black Creek Coon Club, said, you know what? We'll sponsor him. Mm-hmm. That way it's a nonprofit. We'll sponsor him. And it, the ball got rolling there. The first year we done it, we it was horrible. I'm going to be honest with you. It was rough. We cooked In everything. What way? We cooked everything here. Okay. We were out on the fairgrounds at 3 o'clock in the morning. Rain, yeah, sleet, or snow. You can't just whip up barbecue. Right. You, got, you got to do it. Rain, sleet, snow, shine. We were here. Right. And uh, we would uh, try to catch a nap in the rented food trailer every so often with a little mm-hmm. space heater running. Uh, we got a little smarter the next year. <laughs> we started, uh, we cooked, we pre-cooked some a week or so ahead, froze it, and then we'd cook some here. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same way what we're doing now. Well, you got to have some on the barbecue to have that aroma wafting out into that's what we were walking down the the strip there and i I was like somebody is fixing barbecue (laughs) and we just followed the wind absolutely and then that's how we found the the food truck well we uh first couple years we uh we we rented a trailer Uh and it was it was pretty costly um we happened to be riding down the road in our in our hometown and see an old bread truck for sale yeah and uh, my dad and I looked at each other, and he said, I think we could make that into a food truck. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. So we went and talked to, it was an elderly gentleman that had it, and uh, he was asking $2,000 for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, we told him what we wanted it for and told him about Drake and Drake's Hope. And uh, he said, it's yours for $1,200. So yeah. we uh, we had already earned a little bit of money through the prior year so we bit the bullet and took that expense um mm-hmm. we reached out to some local high schools that were doing auto body and they agreed to do the painting cut the windows in it yeah. pretty much everything and on the inside uh, my dad and i did everything on the inside um i had a close friend say you know i got a grill i don't need it anymore won't you come get it mm-hmm. so now we have our own grill um set up for we can cook whole hogs we can cook Boston butts, anything. Right. Um, and people really started coming out the woodworks then. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had people come up and say, I want a barbecue sandwich. All right. It'll be $5, $6. Here's 100 Keep the change. Yeah. And just walk away. Yeah. Um, it, it has truly opened up so many avenues for Drake that it's unreal. Um, the money is strictly... In his name, the, there's only two people that have access, and that's my father and my oldest sister. Mm-hmm. My name's nowhere on the account. I have no access to it. Um, that just kind of helps. Some people may think I'm using that to pay household bills, right. stuff like that. It, it all goes to Drake and his medical needs. So just give us an idea, and I don't want to get too personal here, but... Um, just give us a ballpark of what – is he still traveling to Miami at times? Not now. Um, we go to Charleston uh, once a month for two days. He has to have um, an infusion of antibodies. Just give us a ballpark expenditure on that for the weekend, for the two for days. For the two days, it between food, gas, hotel, you're looking at anywhere from – Depending on the time of the year, anywhere from five hundred to eight hundred dollars, right, a month. And how many times is he doing this? He's he does it once a month. Does it once a month? Yep, every thirty days we're there. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, uh, got back this past Wednesday. Yeah, we were there for uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, how did you find you came about the sponsor club through your dad because he's a coon hunter, right? right? Correct. How did you end up getting in the Grand American here to come and set up? set up um it it all i've got to give all the credit to my dad um he's been a coon hunter all his life Mm -hmm. um he's made so many great connections um through through coon hunting that um he just reached out to some of his buddies that were down this way 
and they said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We'll be we'll be glad to talk for you. Right. And they went before the planning board um, here at the fairgrounds, and my dad presented everything, and uh, it, it's just been an every year thing. The first year was going to be a one time thing. Right. Um, after that, we that we weren't going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were such a success that first year of freezing cold that uh, they asked us to come back the next year. That's great. And I think, um, yeah, I've, I've seen the coon hunters step up so many times in situations like this. You take things like uh, the St. Jude Benefit Hunt, you know, yes. over at Parsons, Tennessee. I mean, that's a huge event that donates to, to a good cause like this. I've seen local situations a good friend of mine from indiana a lot of our listeners will recognize the name jerry mall with pkc his daughter had uh, a cancer issue and the local club stepped up and did benefits for him so Mm -hmm. you know what what does an event like this being able to come to an event like this what does it mean to you and your family and for drake (laughs) it it, it just it's beyond words seeing the turnout seeing people just come up read the it's a little sign on the side of the truck and just read it mm-hmm. and say you know what here's an extra dollar or here's two dollars um i think one of the biggest ones that's ever stuck out in my mind a little boy he couldn't have been more than five seen drake in a wheelchair because he, he can walk he can run around but to contain him a lot of time we have to have him in a wheelchair right and uh because he doesn't know the difference in, okay, this is fine, this is dangerous. Right. Um, a little boy walked up and uh, touched Drake on the hand and came up to me and said, um, whose little boy is this? I said, that's my son. He said, well, here, and handed me a $5 bill. And I I just had to walk away. Right. It, it, I, I get emotional thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's been so many people doing stuff like that. It's it's just been an outpour of love and um, encouragement. It, it without this event, um, mainly this event and uh, the South Carolina State Coon Hunt, which is local for us, right? Is in Darlington also, and um, I, I don't know where Drake would be physically. Mm-hmm. Mentally, emotionally, I don't know where I would be. Um, he, uh, these two, these two events, mainly this one is uh, covers his medical needs for a whole year. Yeah, um, it, it covers anything outside the scope of what I would normally pick up as a father for any child. Mm-hmm. It covers the extra gas money, wear and tear on vehicles, the the food, the the hotel rooms. It covers all of that. Mm-hmm. and uh it, it really helps us out the thing that i really liked about it is it's not a it, and there's not a thing wrong with this but it's not a, a a can sitting on a countertop somewhere and you guys are i'll just tell you what i ate today was good food <laughs> so, we appreciate that we really do this sauce was outstanding and uh you know you're gonna eat it you're gonna eat and when you look at what you're spending your money on and where you're spending it. You know, there was no doubt in my mind where I wanted to be. And there was a line. Absolutely. People are, people are lining up to get it and and support your cause and, and things like that. So um, what would you say to, to parents out there that uh, we've got houndsmen with it that are listening to this podcast um, to give them hope for? Biggest thing is, number one, pray. Um. Number two, accept that you didn't do anything wrong. Your child's not broken. Mm-hmm. Your child's normal for him or for her. That That's normalcy. Uh, Drake doesn't look at himself as being different from his brother. He's just Drake. Yeah. and That's interesting. Don't, because I struggled with this. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything wrong as a dad. My wife didn't do anything wrong as a mom. Mm-hmm. this is the child that God gave us and we're meant to have this child and we're meant to raise this child and I'm going to do everything I can 
to make him as happy and healthy as I can. That doesn't mean his level of happier healthiness will be the same as his brother's, who's, you know, perfectly fine. Um, it, it doesn't make them any different than any other child. You mm -hmm. love them the same. You treat them the same. You, you play with them. You, you do what you're supposed to do as a parent. And uh, family support, friends support, that's big. Um, you know, I tell people all the time they could reach out anytime, and I'll be glad to talk to any struggling mom or any struggling dad that, that may be feeling a little depressed or a little um, like they're, they're, they wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, th those are the biggest things. One of the things that I... I see and i've seen over my lifetime is there are people out in this world that would want to stop events like this right here mm -hmm. you know a stop stop hunting with hounds stop with that stuff you know what do you have to say to those people who might oppose or misrepresent our lifestyle or try to say dictate to us how we're doing things or try to tell us we're wrong well here? i tell everybody every group of people has a few bad apples for the most part everybody's good Everybody has a good quality or trait. Um, I'm a hunter myself. Mm -hmm. um, I don't coon hunt as much as I used to. Um, I'm, I've gotten more into deer, waterfowl, that sort of thing over the years. Um, still hunt deer with hounds. Yeah. Um, You're a deer houndsman. Uh, oh, awesome. And, uh, yeah. you know, we, we still do that. It's still legal where we're at. Right. You know, my animals are my pets. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't treat them. I treat them with just as much love pretty much as I do my own kids. You know, right. sometimes everybody tells me I spoil them too much, but, uh, you, you can't stop events like this because this, these events bring great people together to do great things in their communities. And well said, that is the biggest thing I think I've ever gotten out of any type of event like this, any type of hunting event. It's always great people coming together to do great things. Well, <clears throat> working in law enforcement, you don't always get to see the opportunity of the the good coming out in people. Absolutely. And when you can come to an event like this and see that it's got to be a huge impact. It's got to be good for your your you know your mental health. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm finally in a position now where I'm not out on the road every day. I'm not taking that domestic call. I'm not taking that call where the baby's in the background crying. Um, you know, it's, but I have seen my fair share. Right. And, uh, you know, I've been to some kind of dark places within myself. And every time I leave an event like this, I feel like there's hope for humanity there's mm -hmm. hope for mankind and there's hope for a better world for my children your children and everybody else's children to grow up in right yeah well let's um let's talk about a little bit deer dog and stuff then all right <laughs> <laughs> so you belong to a club or what you... i do um it's a i belong to a club in bethune south carolina okay it's a pleasant hill hunting club you know it's a small club uh we've got about 15 members uh, this is actually the first year I've been a member of this club. Okay. Um, I'm a new member along with a couple of other work buddies and, uh, it's a steel hunting club most of the year, but the last, last three weeks, four weeks of the season, Get we, after we, we, we in there every Saturday and, uh, you know, we, we call a bunch of houndsmen in and, uh, we're like, Let, let's do it. And, uh, we just get out there. It's the, it's the camaraderie. It's not about the kill. It's not about. You know, it's not even about the chase as much as we love to hear it. It's it's really about good people coming together and having a good time right. and, and leaving the weight of the world behind. Mm -hmm. And you know that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. We've had we've had uh, Mark Booth, and we just wrapped up a Freedom Hunters event uh, down in Lakeland, Georgia. That was uh, a deer hunting, hound hunting event. We took some veterans on on a uh, hunt down there on a club and awesome. they had a blast i mean it, we have one guy 
he's the most gracious guy that um it was just a great time you know so so deer hunting with hounds is one of those things that gets a lot of heat and it, it is it gets heat from outside from not only the anti-hunting crowd but the hunters you know the still oh, yes. the stand hunters the still hunters um would like to see it go away and it's it's a it's a it's, rough thing it is it's a double-edged sword and me being a stand hunter most of the year and still enjoying the the chase of the dogs at the end of the season you yeah. know i get a little bit of flack but and and i understand where a lot of the steel hunters come from you know a lot of these guys are hunting 20 or 30 acre plots right and you know you're turning your dogs loose on a 100 acre plot next to them mm-hmm. our 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 club is roughly 1200 acres right we don't have to worry about dogs crossing other people's property mm-hmm. and, and i i get that i do um I, i've been involved with some you know farmers that say hey you can hunt this 20 acres but we're going to run dogs on you know over here on saturdays and that's really the only time i can hunt right. so um most of the time i just don't joined them with the dog hunts yeah. you know <laughs> yeah but uh I, you know I, I i i'm a person i try to get along with everybody i don't judge anybody for what they enjoy doing mm-hmm. whether it be still hunting dog hunting um you know i fuss and gripe you know the a popular tv show a while back kind of ruined duck hunting for us old-timer duck duck guys which one was that duck dynasty it made everybody oh. think they were a duck hunter <laughs> and, well, could, you remember everybody showing up with the beards and the beards and the, the face paint and, and the sock hats pulled down to their eyebrows yep. thinking they were jace or oh yeah old sock hey i i watched the show religiously i, liked it. I loved it yeah and uh you know there was a you know what i said was a lot of kids loved it too. oh yeah yeah. You know, me and my buddy be down there with, you know, old spray painted shotgun and waiters, yeah. waiters yeah. with duct tape around them. That's and right. They roll up with their daddy's money and we're like, oh, God, <laughs> they're going to paint their face. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it, I, I don't judge them. I just jab them a little. You know, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, well, it's all I mean, in good fun. That's part of it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's all in good fun. You you can make fun of your your brothers in a way that that you can't make fun of strangers. Absolutely, you know? it's just like being in law enforcement. That's we, right. We we have a unique sense of humor. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, uh, people outside of law enforcement may look at us and say these guys are crazy. That's but, right. But no, that's just how we cope. Yeah. That's how we deal. That's right. That's right. And but uh, you know, one of the things about hunting is um, man, there are, there are so many people out there. I wish people would just stop telling us what what to do. Right. You know what I mean? People that don't understand it, people that don't see, you know, hunters stepping up to the, the hunting for a cure truck and supporting Absolutely. a kid like your son. Uh, they don't see any of those things. Mm-hmm. They But they still think that they have to have a say in what we're doing. Right. And that just... It seems to be rampant throughout our culture. It, you know? it really is, and and I would like. I, I, that's why we produce this podcast to to showcase stories just like yours and Drake's story to show that it's not some blood sport. It's not about mistreating dogs or or you know. It's none of that. No. It's, it's it's something so much bigger than that. It's good people doing great things together. I agree. And, and, you know, I'll tell anybody, if you have a problem with hunting or fishing, I'm an avid fisherman, um, you know, it's the way I grew up, it's the way I'm raising my child, my, mm-hmm. my youngest. Um, you know, unfortunately, Drake's not capable of doing it, but he loves the dogs. He loves yeah, but the excitement. Sure. And, uh, you know, just come sit down and have a civil conversation. And I'll tell you, you know, this deer season, I killed one deer. I passed up probably 200. Yeah. Because I'd just rather sit there and watch them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'd rather listen to the dogs than shoot a little small deer in front of them. Right. Just let them go. Let them keep running. Yeah. Let them do what they love to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. The dogs love it. Yeah, it just kills me when when these people that I call them animal zealots, you know. Right. 
animal radicals or animals, animal zealots, you know, they think they're stepping up and doing the best thing for the wildlife and they have zero investment, none, None. zero at all. And the hunters that are on these grounds right now are the ones that put money into the hunting industry. An event like this in Orangeburg, South Carolina, the hotels are full. The restaurants are full. I've seen houndsmen walking through Walmart, all income that they wouldn't get if this organ, if this event was not held. Right. And, And And not to mention the conservation. We're the ones that pay into the conservation. We're the ones that help the the woodlands, the wetlands. There would be no wildlife on the landscape in 2022. It's 2022 now. I almost said 21. uh, If it was not for hunters. When... We turned this thing around and developed the North American model for wildlife conservation. It is by far the greatest accomplishment for wildlife Absolutely. in the history of the world. And it would not be possible if it weren't for hunters. No, it, it would wasn't, not. It wasn't people that, that, you know, wanted to feed Bambi in their backyard. Right. And have, you know, uh, it wasn't that. It was the hunters. Yep. So, hey, tell us where, what other events you're going to be at. Um, right now, I, the only one that we're definitely going to be at is going to be the South Carolina State Coon Hunt. It's in Darlington, South Carolina, at Lake DARPO, mm-hmm. uh, which is in between Darlington and Society Hill. It's um, a two-day hunt. Uh, it's uh, not near as big as this one, but it, but it's a good local, family-oriented place. Uh, we'll be... We'll be doing barbecue along with some other things, uh, hamburgers, hot dogs, you know, mm-hmm doing stuff for the kids and just having a good time yeah doing what we we love to do um so this is going to be a sustainable it's going to be a it's going to be an ongoing project drake's health for the rest of his life for the rest of his life absolutely and uh this isn't like a one and done deal no you know where you're hoping to raise enough money this year to to you know make it through next year right it's going to happen to have to happen every year and he's 15 years old so tell people how they can can besides walking up and buying barbecue right. in the truck. Tell um, people how they can, can contribute. You know we have a uh, uh, an account set up with him at First Citizens Bank in Darlington, South mm-hmm. Carolina. It's under listed under Drake's Hope, um, and it's the same account that uh, only the two people have access to, and uh, they can send donations straight to there. Um, or they can reach out to me. I'm on Facebook, Curtis Bryant. Um, you know, I don't have any big fancy Facebook page. It's just me. Right. But um, if they would like to reach out and, and speak to me, they can. Or, um, you know, they can uh, reach out to my dad, who's Bobby Bryant. He's on Facebook also, um, both from Darlington, South Carolina. Um, we'll be glad to, even if it's just a talk, we'll be mm-hmm. glad to help out anybody that we can. Yeah. And uh, I do I do return quite a few emails. Um, I'll give you my email address. It's curtisb2212 at gmail.com. I'll be glad to receive any emails and uh, would be would would love to actually just get a little bit of support and say, hey, you know, I heard your story. Um, mm-hmm. You know, keep it up, that sort of thing. It, it, it always puts a smile on my face. If, if there's a... If there's a mom and a dad, parents out there who are listening to this podcast, um, would you have any problem with them reaching out to you? Maybe they're sitting there and they've got a, a situation with their kids and, and, you know, helping them. You know, I can only imagine, I mean, sitting there trying to figure out how we're going to pay the bills, how we're going to do this, how, we're, you know, maybe they've got a niece, a nephew, mm-hmm. a grandson that needs some uh, hope, you know, some ideas of how they're going to, keep the lights on and keep their other kids fed and clothed and everything um would you be willing to talk to them absolutely help them out absolutely tell them them what you're doing and avoid pitfalls and absolutely because i think that the thing that has amazed me and intrigued me curtis was the fact that you've seen an opportunity there uh and you you've worked hard and you understand Tell, I mean, you're, you're, the rest of your life and the rest of your family doesn't stop because of Drake. They've still the, your younger son yes. wants to hunt. He Absolutely. wants to do those sort of things. You know, you know, my youngest son killed his first deer two years ago, still hunting. Um, this year for Christmas, only thing he wanted was a shotgun so he could start 
hunting dogs and turkey hunting. Right. He, he wants to try turkey hunting. So we're going to be in the woods in March turkey hunting. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we, we still just keep going forward. We, we're any normal family with, we're a normal family with a, a few extra adversities in life. Sure. And, and that's just the way I keep telling myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, God, God doesn't give us more than a burden heavier than we can carry, but he's, he, he just leaves it up to us, whether we're going to try to figure out how we're going to get it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I tell anybody with, with a special needs child, God won't give us more than we can handle but he will give his strongest soldiers the biggest burdens or the biggest weight to carry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not saying that Drake is a burden by any means. It's just that a lot of people wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah. uh, You know, I've, you know, my wife has always been like, she's always had that outlook too. We don't have any special needs kids, but, um, she's always been the type that she embraced the situation and um she always has that same outlook that positive outlook drake's a blessing to me and my family yeah he has brought my family closer um you know like i said before my mom passed away that was her world and it's still my dad's world you know i've got two sisters i got two nieces um you know we're all a very very tight-knit group matter of fact my two teenage nieces are coming down here to sling barbecue tomorrow Wow. And, uh, yeah. you know, this is about the only time you can get them away from, <laughs> from, from a video game or from their swim lessons or anything right. like that. Right. So, um, looking forward to, you know, it might be in a family affair. One thing I, you know, we'll close this out here in a minute, but, uh, one thing that I would challenge there, we still have clubs all over the United States and all of these clubs has somebody in it that knows somebody that has a need like Drake. Mm-hmm. And if, if we could, encourage these club members to go out and take on that cause that has nothing to do with a competition coon hunt other than providing an opportunity to help benefit right a kid in your community that's in need that's what community was all about that's it you know and stepping up and taking care of people in our local community and i and i still say that's what the hunting and fishing community is all about where it's not about the kill or the catch it's about helping each other be better people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think you have to get there. I think the, everybody goes through. You know, I was a young kid. Oh, no, I was one time, And the only thing I thought about was limiting out. And, Absolutely. You know, and getting with it. But as you get into it and you see the nuances of hunting, you realize that there's such a great opportunity. It makes you a better person. Yeah. And it's, it really does. You know, even any, any adult listening, take a kid hunting. If you know a kid that, that maybe their parents don't hunt, you know, ask mom and dad, say, hey, can I take little Johnny hunting this weekend? Yeah. It may change that child's life. And, exactly uh, right. You know, our the sheriff's office I'm work, I work for is actually hosting a youth deer hunt tomorrow in Darlington. Oh, no kidding. And um, myself and the chief deputy were the two that mainly organized it. And uh, we're, we're hoping for a big turnout tomorrow. Of course, I'll still be here slinging barbecue, but, uh, you know, I, I, I hope the best and pray for a good turnout with them also. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this community. That's, that's just the, the outpouring of love has been unreal to me and my family. I was going to give you the opportunity to have that, have that last (laughs) word. And I'm glad you, I appreciate it. Yeah. So Curtis, thanks for taking time. I know you've been busy. Thank you. It gave me a little break. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gave me a little break, so I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking time to sit down and tell your story and tell Drake's story. I appreciate it. I really uh, do. Find you on Facebook. Email Facebook at Curtis Bryant. Um, Like I said, I don't don't have anything flashy. It's just me. And uh, you can reach out to me through email, CurtisB, one word, 2212, at gmail.com. I'll be glad for anybody to reach out, especially any struggling parent. Please reach out to me. I'll be glad to do whatever I can to help you out. Great. Great. Can't ask for more than that. And stop by. I'm going to post a picture of the the food truck 
on our Facebook page, okay. and it'll be the cover photo for the for the episode here. So if you're out and about at the South Carolina State Hunt, or the next time, if you're next time you're at the Grand American next year, make sure you find the truck and support a good cause. Absolutely, so, we'll be we'll love to have you. You bet, you bet. The sauce is great. Everything's good there. All so. right. All right. Until next time, Curtis, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. Absolutely. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Curtis Bryant talking to you about Drake's Hope and Hunting for a Cure. I hope you'll look for him at the South Carolina State Hunt and next year at the Grand American. And that you, too, will take this information back to your local club and find that local cause to get involved with. We ran that episode with no commercial interruptions from our sponsors. But I have to mention our sponsors because... They believe in what we can do as a hound hunting community. They share the vision of Houndsman XP. They know that we can be inspired to do great things in this community and in in our world. Check out Dogs Are Treed at dogsartreed.com and enter the promo code HXP, 20% off at checkout. You'll get 20% off of all your order. Also, check out Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. We talk some deer hunting here. Mark Booth's name was mentioned here. Mark is the editor and the owner of Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. It is the premier magazine for uh, the hunting houndsman. It's a quarterly magazine that talks about the way you live your life. You can find them at southernhoundhunting.com. Also, check out Rough Cut Company. Roughcut is taking your high-quality images. They laser engrave those onto native lumber from Wisconsin, and you will have a great keepsake there. So you can find that company at roughcutcompany.com, and at checkout, enter the code HXP10% off, and you'll get 10% off that order. Last but certainly not least is Briar Creek Kennel. Briar Creek Kennel knows what gear you need to be successful. You can check them out at shopbriarcreek.com and find all of your hound hunting needs. Make sure you share Houndsman XP with your friends. Check us out on Facebook at Houndsman XP Podcast or the Houndsman XP Podcast group. Both of them are on Facebook and on Instagram at Houndsman XP Podcast. Leave us a review. Share us with your friends. Until next time. You follow your hounds and I'll follow mine.